Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, Catherine Joy and myself are going to be talking about how we have taken business strategies and applied them to our family. And we're going to talk about how we think that we can actually learn a lot from sport, the sports world. We can learn a lot from the corporate world. We can learn a lot from the non-family sector and how we can best operate as a family. And, and we can really optimize the time that we have with our children here in the home. And yeah, well, actually, there's a few more things that I'm going to say about this because you guys know I'm a man of prefaces. But before I get into that, let's go ahead and hit head into the intro. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Okay, Here we are. And I mean, you can tell by your turtleneck and my big peacoat, the studio is cooling down. Yeah, you could probably also tell we're about to go on a date. I don't know how they would be able to tell that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like we're a little more dressed up than usual. You do have a glow about you, too. You always get a glow a before glow. our dates. <laughs> yeah, so we're recording this, and then we're going to go grab dinner, and I am so hungry. I have been so hungry for like an hour and a half, so we'll see if the brain all, you know, still thinks. We'll see how far the brain can function. Yeah, I, I think you and I both really enjoy this topic that we're going to talk about, but there's always a propensity for us to pontificate and just kind of talk around in circles, you know, and hammer a point home till it's dead in the face, uh, or blue in the, as a horse. And so hopefully we don't do either of those things. Yeah. So I, I'm just waiting here. The prefaces, <clears throat> what are your prefaces before we jump into this? Yeah. Well, my episode? prefaces, my prefaces to the prefaces are one, it's Thanksgiving week. And so I need a right now, the time that we're recording this. Yes. And I cannot tell you how grateful I am since we're in a season of gratitude, even though Christians are grateful year round for all that Christ has done for us. Uh, I'm not, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for our listeners because it's nuts how much I enjoy this podcast and I enjoy having this time with you. I enjoy the interviews that we get to do. Like each person that I've interviewed has been a treat for me. And I think you feel the same way about the people that you've interviewed. Oh yeah. It is a privilege to be able to sit down. I feel like I've gotten mentored this last year, just being able to sit down with these women and, and ask them the questions that are on my heart and mind. Yes. And obviously you guys get a listen and, but I just feel like it's been such a blessing for me and I've been so encouraged. Same. I feel like there are definitely a handful of questions that I've asked each guest that are just my genuine, my interest. It's like, I want to know this answer, you know, the answer to this question from you. Uh, but I'm grateful that our listeners have supported this podcast and obviously they've left ratings and reviews and they've shared it, which has made this podcast grow over the last few years. And it's cool that you and I get to sit down and do this. And then we've got our businesses and our pod, our podcast listeners also support our businesses. It's, it's like they buy the get it all done club. They buy a Voberg music Academy. And that ultimately is what enables us to do the podcast. And I feel like, I mean, I, I think most people kind of understand that's like how we operate. That's how we're able to do what we do. But I don't know. I'm just so grateful that we get to learn and, and grow in the areas that we ma- that that matter most to us, you know, in our faith, in our marriage, in our parenting, we get to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. Um, and we get to do that, like I said, from interviewing other people or from you and I just doing research for a specific episode. And, uh, I don't know. I'm just so grateful. So thank you. Thank you listeners. My whole, my heart really is full of gratitude. <laughs> sounds loud. It sounded like so cheesy. I wasn't planning on it sounding that cheesy, but 
it, what it is what it is. So there yeah. you go. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. That's sweet. Did you think I was going to get emotional? Yeah, I was like, so before Elisha <laughs> tears up, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about running your family like a business. It's not going to come as a surprise to you guys that we love applying business concepts to family. I think uh, sometimes when you lose the subjectivity and the blurry lines of relationship, because a lot of things don't apply in relationships, in regards to like, like, I'm going to go into this more. Okay. But a lot of things don't apply in relationships. And so when we lose the blurry lines around relationship and we're able to look at things from a clear, crisp cut, black and white, how would this happen if you just want a success Hmm. as a team and you just want a shared goal achieved, um, if there aren't relationships involved, which can be kind of messy, then how would you put those things in place? How would you go about doing that? And I think that sometimes it's really helpful to back up and look at your family as like this skeleton grid and without all the emotions and the feelings and the personalities, not that we don't need to pay attention to those things because we do, but it can give us clarity and sometimes hidden beneath all the uh, confusion where it comes to relationship, I think we miss a lot of the bare bones that give the structure to us having a successful family that's able to go out on mission and bless other people. So we kind of want to take a step back away from the relationship side of things and look at it kind of from a business. And that's something that has benefited us in our home. You guys know in the Get It All Done Club, a lot of what I share is Uh, like home management coming from the perspective of if I was a boss of a business, how would I run this? And I think that is, has really helped simplify and streamline our home. And I think that family is another way we do this before, before I let you talk. (laughs) I'm just going off here. I love what you're saying. Uh, I did want, I do want to clarify what I mean by a lot of these things don't apply to relationships is obviously in a business if someone's not, you know, you aren't getting along with them and you don't feel like they're adding as much value as they should be adding, you can terminate that relationship. You end the relationship, right? Or you quit your job if you don't like or, your Or, yeah, vice versa. You can, you can quit your job. Like, there is the ability to opt out on every level in a business. You could quit the whole business and just dissolve the company. You could go bankrupt. You could, you know, there's other things with relationships where it's like relationships are not efficient. Relationships are not things that we can delegate. They're things that we have to be involved in in a hands-on way. And there's a, obviously there's ways where we give not getting anything in return for seasons and relationships. And None of those things you will find on a team or on a business or anything like that. And we aren't saying those aren't beautiful, beautiful things because that's what makes relationships so special is that unconditional love and the sacrifice as a parent and as a spouse that just make the family this beautiful unit and sets it apart. And I think that's why the Lord uses it because it is set apart. um, And and that's why we reflect him. Yeah, I do not want to cheapen what marriage is or what family is by comparing it to a business. Because obviously the covenant of marriage is something that God ordained. There is a spiritual element to it. There is a holy element to it that a business will never be able to, you know, I guess, recreate or to, you know, kind of copy and mimic. Similarly with the relationship that we have with our children and the role that we have as parents, 
uh, th- that is a sp- there's a spiritual element to it that is covenantal and that is God ordained. Um, and so when we talk about using business and business strategies to enhance our family life, we're doing it from the perspective of family is in a league of its own or marriage is in a league of its own when it comes to importance and when it comes to significance and what God has said about it. However, I do think like what you said in your a little while ago is that there can be a huge benefit sometimes from taking the relationship, sometimes discord or sometimes the relational, you know, stress that is in every single home and that's in every single family, albeit on various levels. Um, you take that out and you look at it from more of like a, you know, non-emotional, pragmatic viewpoint and say, okay, well, what would it look like if we were operating very effectively? Like, what would it look like if we were, if we were all working within our roles as God ordained? And what would it look like, you know, if we are maximizing our potential for our home? And I think it's really fun to do that because it can give you vision, it can give you inspiration, and then oftentimes it can reveal that a lot of the relational things aren't even as, even though it's a relational issue, sometimes it's a flaw in the system that's causing all this relational angst. And you're thinking, no way, like, do we have heart issues? Of course we have heart issues as humans, but it's crazy how sometimes uh, streamlining the logistics of situations can make so many of those relational quarrels go away. And you remember that that's right. I'm married to my friend. There was a reason that I married this person. I like them. You know, I love my children now that I think about it. Uh, and so I'm really excited to continue applying these things. And I know you're going to say something. Actually, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Yeah. Well, I think on your, I think it's kind of ironic because we say, okay, family is this unit all in a league of its own, but so often businesses are started and teams are started with so much more thought out vision and plan and structure and unity and single mindedness. And they're just more set up for success. And often we get married and we just kind of, well, we have a kid and then I guess they're going to grow up and, you know, time just happens, time passes. And if we aren't intentional, then we can realize like, like, what did we even set out to achieve? I don't even know if we accomplished it or if we did not And then we hit our children are grown. They're out of the house. We're grandparents. And it's like, where is our marriage? Where are our children? We really want to begin with the end in mind. And we don't want to give, Elisha just came back from being coached in business this last week. And when we are sitting down and talking through the things he looked at, business-wise and worked on business-wise, we are like, we don't want to put more intentionality and focus and thought into this area of our life than we're doing into our family and just kind of let family happen. Hmm. And yet it's so easy for that to happen. Wow. That's so well said, Katie. You think about how silly it would be to start a business and have like the the strategy or the goal or the vision, the game plan be, well, we really like each other and everybody gets along really well. And so we're going to just hope we're going to rely on that. We're like, well, what's the product? Do you have a product that you're making? Yeah, we've got a product. Well, what's the goal? Who's the end? Who's the end user? Like, what's the perfect case scenario? What, how, how much do you want to grow? You have a business plan in place. And so often we enter into marriage, maybe knowing that there are these biblical concepts around marriage, 
but we can't really articulate them. We say things like covenant and we, you know, the holy covenant of marriage. And we, uh, we say things like, oh man, you know, um, unconditional love or, you know, men are supposed to love their bride like Christ loved the church. And we know it's this illustration of Christ's relationship with the church, mar- you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, but we don't flush it out, flush it out much more than that. And we ultimately go into marriage and, and start having a family kind of doing just that where you're like, oh, we're going to make it happen because we like each other or because we enjoy the same things. And, and make what happen? And just make exist. what happen. Exactly. What's the goal? Like, what are you going to accomplish through as a this, family. As a family. And I, th- I think that's it. You don't, you don't found a business to exist. Yes. You found a business for some purpose. And I think something that was really cool that we were talking about last night is God is the one who founds our family. Mm-hmm. And going back to that, this isn't about Elisha and I and what we want for our kids. And the Lord has give us, given us flexibility there, which is beautiful. And families are able to have their own flair. But Ultimately, God founded our family. Mm -hmm. And so we're relinquished of all authority and are put in this stewardship and management role of our marriage, of our home, of our children, of the impact that we're having in our community. But we are, because he is the founder, we are subject to what his vision for our family was. Amen. We're not the owners. Like, we're not the founders of the business. Uh, And so, and, and just like we're we don't have this option to like quit on our marriage. We don't have the option to quit on our family because like you said, God's the one that founded our family and he has laid out the groundwork for not only how it should look and how it should function, but as you mentioned before, what the goal of it is and what our aim should be. And going back to not wanting to cheapen family by comparing it to business, I thought you said another great thing. It's like, if that were if that were the if that was happening that would be one thing but in reality we're putting so much more emphasis on business or on our careers or on outside ministries that are outside of our home and what the vision is for said ministry and we're negl- and we're not putting any of that I think you and I have done this before we're not putting any of that proactive thinking and strategy into our home and so yes families high above businesses and obviously other outside ministries, but we can learn so much from how we apply ourselves to business or to outside ministries, and then hopefully get convicted and come back to our home and get with our spouse and be like, boy, I want to, if I'm putting this time into my business, I want to put a thousand times that much structure and intentionality into my home and into my family. Yeah, and so with God as our founder, as the owner, as the ultimate boss, then in the hierarchy, we have Elisha and I, right, in our marriage. Like that's the first relationship that comes in the in, in a family. And I think that it's interesting because we see in culture a lot, we see this encouragement, and we've talked about this on the podcast, but for the roles within the family to be like, okay, Elisha has his career. He has his goals. He has his guide time. He has his, uh, life. Right. And then I have all of the above for myself and we share these kids down here and we've got to make sure that they, you know, survive. But it's funny because you don't see that encouraged in business. 
Hmm. Right? If the CFO and the CEO or if the president and the vice president have totally different visions and it's like, okay, you know, if our vice president is going to work on something completely different than the president, it's like, what a weird why. Like, yeah. like you start out so unified and then you just like, you split so quick. And I think that it's just funny how in every other organization we have this unity and this alignment and this focus. And it's like, my efforts are working with your efforts and our efforts are working together. And everyone knows that that is how you, you magnify something. Yes. Right. Like, like if you have it's like that in a soccer team or whatever, like the defensive player and the forward are both in alignment of, we need to get the ball through the goal. Mm -hmm. And if the defensive player is like, well, actually I really am going to just trim the grass on this sideline and make it look awesome. <laughs> like, and the forward has their agenda and they're still trying to get the ball through the goal. Like, so what if the grass looks good? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is crazy, Katie. When you look at it from that perspective, we all know that if you're going to be a part of a healthy company culture, or like you said, part of a successful team, there come there becomes a relinquishing of personal agenda and of you know individualistic pursuits for the health of the said goal of the company or of the team. And even though you can do that again in a very individualistic way, like you're still seeking your own goals within that, but you know that you've got to be. On all the scenarios that you just said, we, everybody knows it's a dysfunctional company mm -hmm. where the CEO and the CFO and the president, they've all kind of got their own little isolated goals and their own purposes and they're, and they're all pursuing them in their own way. And they think like, well, yeah, we should all share the company too. Like we should probably all take care of, you know, using the analogy of our kids, like we should probably take care of our employees too, but we all want to do our own thing. You're like, man, that's so unhealthy. And that company's not going to do very well. And similarly with a team, and, and uh, again, I love family teams. They talk about this a lot. And I interviewed Jeremy Pryor uh, from family teams. And we'll, we'll link that below. Yeah, link that down. Because uh, I think that they speak to this very well when it, when it comes to treating your family like a team and being on the same page. Because we, the teams that succeed are the teams that function well as a, as a, as a combined unit, as a unified unit. And in order to do that, you've got to be explicitly clear on what the goal is. And and I would say that that's probably at the, maybe at the crux of why it's hard as a family to be united. You just think, well, what is the goal? And I think you can work that backwards to find the answer. You got to work backwards to who created marriage. And is it for our purpose or is it for the creator's purpose? I think it's for the creator's purpose. He, God, has a purpose for marriage, and he's got a purpose for the family unit that is general. Like, it's just, just this general purpose. Will it look unique to your family? Yeah, it will look unique to your family, but it's still going to be serving the general purpose that he created it for. And going to God's word with that humble acknowledgement that he gets to say what our marriage is about and what it's for, and he gets to say what our family is for and what it's about is got to be the ground, like the, the the bedrock of how you and your spouse are able to find unity. Otherwise, it's going to become arbitrary really quick. And that general overview, right, that you're mentioning here, maybe from like a very big picture perspective, is our marriages exist. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, but to mirror, you know, show a physical example of God's relationship with the church 
and to honor and glorify him. And then also to disciple the children that he gives us and raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to send them out as disciples. Like, I think it's family is a component of the great commission. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, there's that general truth of we're created for his purpose, for his glory, and we get to be used for his purposes, going back to making disciples, discipling young children, to have our marriage be this example or to have be have it be this kind of um, you know, metaphor of Christ's relationship with us. Of course, that's the perfect marriage that Christ is preparing now, preparing in his bride, the church, and we'll have that union one day with him. Um, and so he gets to say what those general big picture things are. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, he gets to say about a lot of the specifics too. You know, it's easy to to be like, okay, well, that's the general purpose. Now I'll decide on my own, with my own intuition or with my own, you know, I guess kind of like ideals, what that's going to look like within the home. And when I was saying there's going to be uniquenesses to how that looks, I do, I do think that that will look different within each family, but I think that there will be common themes within each one of those families as it is proclaimed to be in, in God's word. And when you look at like a healthy marriage, there is this healthy functioning of a marriage and God lays out what those roles look like. And he lays out what children, how parents are supposed to train up their children in the way that they should go. And that they are, are, are to teach them God's precepts and his words when they walk around during the day, when they lay down at night, um, you know, all throughout their life, they're supposed to be meditating on God's word. And the parents are teaching the younger children of of God and who he is. And that's something that's like, that's across the board. That's for every Christian family. It's not for like the, oh, the super serious Christian families. It's like, no, Christian families disciple their children in the ways of the Lord. You know, they they do not hand them over to a secular state to teach them the ways of the world or the ways of society. It's like, no, we are clearly set apart and we are treating our children as though they are set apart. Yeah, I like how you mentioned, you know, you you just going to this conference, right? Or not a conference, but like this coaching seminar. So often when you go and you pay for business coaching, you're paying for someone who has gone before you who could say, here are some guaranteed, like do this and this happens. Do this and this is the best way to run a business. And you're looking for that blueprint. And I think that sometimes when it comes to family, we can look at scripture and we can look at the blueprint that God laid out for family and how wives are supposed to operate and reverence their husbands. And I am still failing at this every day. <laughs> Are you learning kidding me? Every day. I feel so revered <laughs> by you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, good days and bad days. And how the husband loves and cherishes his wife and how the children are supposed to respect their parents and how we as parents are supposed to discipline our children and teach them. And we can look at that blueprint laid out in God's word and think, wow, that's really conf- constricting. That's really confining. And I don't like how that goes. I just kind of want to see what works for our family, kind of ad lib. And I think that that is, is, is kind of a crazy thing to do because the way that God laid things out in scripture, even if they feel awkward at first when we're practicing these things, even if it rubs us wrong, he laid out the best case scenario. And we're humans, there's sin involved, nothing's perfect, and you aren't guaranteed, you know, a happily ever after if you 
follow steps one, two, and three, but he gave us our best shot at a healthy family that sees the vision through to completion of raising children up for his glory and then sending them out and having them multiply and raise children up for his glory and sending them out and impacting the world through the gospel message. And we live in a graveyard of families where we want to try to figure it out on our own and, oh, that didn't work. But by the time we figure out that it didn't work, it's too late. Yeah. And the family's been broken. Mm. And I think of that, you know, in business, 70 to 80% of new businesses fail in the first year. And how incredible it is for the new business owner that has someone come alongside that says, hey, this is going to be your best, your best bet. And, and business is more subjective than family, even though we like to consider ourselves individuals and with our unique traits and personalities and all those things that make us unique there. We see in scripture that there are very specific roles just based off of your gender, just based off of your role in the family, whether you're a child or whether you're a spouse. Hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy, Katie, like, when you look at what God's purpose is for the church, and then you apply that to the family, because of course the family is a part of the, it's a part of the church, right? It's a leg of the church, um, and for His name to go out amongst all the nations, uh, and for His His kingdom to be spread, it it actually does work. Like it's crazy how when you look at it from just the small, okay, husband and wife obey God's word when it comes to husbands you know, washing your wife with the word, cherishing her as Christ, you know, uh, cherish the church and laying your life down for your bride as Christ laid his life down for her. I love for, that verse. Yeah. It's your Trust favorite. Me huh? nuts. No. <laughs> I'm just like, don't tell me that marriage to me is death to you. Yeah. Okay. Like that does not make me feel good yeah. about myself. It's when I feel the most alive. When I'm, oh, you know, there we go. Being married to you. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, on the flip side of, of wife's, um, you know, having respect for their husbands and submitting to their headship and, um, yeah. And then children obeying their parents and parents training up their children. Like those are things that you just can't get around as a Christian in the Bible. You're like, that's just applicable. And you're like, okay, well, what if we, what if people did that? And it's like, we've got the example in the old Testament of a Pharaoh getting so stressed out because Israel was obeying that command of God. Like Israel was doing exactly what God said to do, and they were being fruitful, they were having healthy marriages, and they were they were multiplying, they were having children, to the extent where Pharaoh's like, this is not good. That My yeah. biggest competition right now are these people that call themselves the children of God that keep recreating, like they're generationally rich. I've got to wipe them out. That's how effective it was, is that the emperor of the day was like, this is my biggest threat are these people that are having babies and they're discipling their children. And the same goes for the church today. That is the most effective way, and it's going to be the most threatening way. It's going to be the most threatening thing to secular society and to the rulers of you know, the, the dark world. The most threatening thing to them is Christians having a fruitful marriage and it's ha- bringing up children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it's no wonder that that is one of the most fiercely attacked things. Marriage, we all, 
we all know it. You know, it's been the case for so long that marriage is under attack, like from a legislation standpoint, then obviously from a spiritual and moral standpoint, like definition of marriage aside, it's like for years, just infidelity and lack of fruitfulness in marriage has been just ravaging the church. Like the, the, the Christian marriage hasn't really existed in a prominent way long before things started going to legislature, right? Like long before things started getting termed, you know, traditional marriage or non-traditional marriage or biblical marriage or non-biblical marriage. And so it's, it's no wonder that that's where Satan is putting so much of his energy and his efforts towards destroying marriage. And then simultaneously, you know, taking children away from their parents and taking away their influence in their children's life, making children not respect their parents, making children mock their parents and think that they're the butt of the joke and that they're old fashioned. They don't have any wisdom or knowledge. Uh, That's all flips upside down to what God intended. Yeah. Something that it made me think of too. I think we see this, uh, we need to be so careful who we're listening to when it comes to parenting our children right now, because there are so many people out there that they're doing an experimental parenting method and it sounds really good and it appeals to the emotions, but you see in scripture that as parents, we're supposed to train our children. We're not supposed to provoke our children. We're supposed to, uh, discipline our children. We're supposed to guide our children. And what you hear a lot in culture right now is you need to respect your children. Hmm. Um, I even think of that um, obey, where you said children are supposed to obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, right? There's been so much talk recently that I have heard in the online space of, well, I don't want my child to have to obey the first time because then what if they just go and just start obeying everybody and then someone takes advantage of them or, you know, our minds just go to all these scenarios of, oh, but I need to explain everything. I need to explain why to them. And they have, they're questioning and they're these little people that are just, yeah, they're little people that need your training. Like, like what God lays out as our role in their lives is to train our children. And no one will balk when you say you need to respect your kids we're supposed to love our kids. Nowhere in scripture does it say respect your children, but you know what it does say in scripture? It says respect your husband. But if, but if we have that conversation and you say, oh, I'm wanting to respect my husband, you will probably get flack on that. Isn't that ironic? Like we've taken a good word where yes, we should all respect each other, right? Just in a general sense there should be respect, but we've taken it. And it's been a subtle twist where I feel like the devil has placed all this emphasis on, are you training and loving and disciplining your children? Well, okay, but you just need to respect them Mm -hmm. and their little attitudes and their little expressions that are sinful (laughs) instead of, oh, put respect where it actually does some good and put it on the headship role in your family. Uh, I just think those little subtleties happen all the time with these experimental forms of family. And you don't know what's going to happen in that. And when we do those things like that, you know, yeah, it's so, it's just so welcomed in society. And I'm just going to say Christian and non-Christian alike, cause it's the truth to adopt new ideas around parenting or marriage that are not grounded in scripture. And to take things like what you just said, like what the Bible says about a husband and a wife and how they are to 
interact with one another or how the parents, what the parents' role is in a, in a child's life. Like that's not what, like that's not good enough anymore or that's too complicated or that's too outdated. Or we've been misinterpreting it for thousands and thousands of years. Yes, But all exactly. of a sudden we're enlightened. Yeah, and, and there's always going to be, that's always going to be the popular thing to do with God's word. Yes. And it has been, in, with especially with like, Every with actually with every doctrine that's been the popular thing to do is be like that's actually not what that means. It means this. And it's like if we misinterpret it six times, we actually end up with something that aligns with our belief system. Yes, rather than going to God's word and reading it truly for for what it says. Um, and the fact is that the translations are so good. Like the the well, not every translation, obviously. There are there are such accurate translations that you can look at it and you say, this is what it says. And what it says is what it means. And oftentimes we go and we say, and we'll be the interpreter and we'll want to say, well, what does he actually mean by this? Or Rather we'll than, go read someone who has an agenda. Yes, and, and I they tell us. And I think that's what's really harmful now is I've been seeing a lot of books on marriage and books on parenting where someone has used God's word completely. They've just warped it. They've like done their own translation and and then that's making people more comfortable with what the verses mean. Instead of just like, just read the scripture, just read the scripture. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, just on that, again, since we're on the topic of comparing family to business or whatever, uh, I've been so convicted on how lazy I have been. And actually I would say how lazy we've been um, kind of uh, like taught to be as a Western church, as a Western Christian, when it comes to even knowing what God's word says, Mm -hmm. uh, the time and effort I put into our business and the research I do to maximize everything is kind of, it's embarrassing when I look at how much time I put into knowing my faith, knowing what God's word says, and being able to look up the references. And when the New Testament is referring to the Old Testament, then stopping and going and, and looking at what Old Testament passage he's looking at and looking at the context in which they're saying it. Um, and then looking up the like looking up the Greek, like how it's such a common thing to make fun and like roll your eyes at the guy that brings up the Greek or the Hebrew and be like, oh, that guy's like the nerd. That guy's the, or he's trying to sound smart or extra holy versus admiring that. Being like, you know what? That is what we are to do. We are supposed to pursue knowing God. It's like, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. And that word acknowledges know him. In all your ways, know him and he will direct your path. We're like, yeah, we're supposed to do that. And for some reason, we think that head knowledge is like like a, a layer down. And so we'll go to like, oh, you need to have this emotional connection with God. Or you need to pursue a personal relationship with God. Um, you just need to listen to his still calm voice. And I'm not saying those things don't exist. Obviously, they do when they you're do, in Christ. Yeah. And I love those things. But knowledge of God can come through his word. It does come through his word. And he's given us his and word. And knowledge refers to something you understand with your mind. Yes, exactly. Knowing him. And know, you can't know somebody without a, an intellectual understanding of them. Without yeah. there being a cerebral connection. And, and you connection. can know something, obviously, without it impacting your heart. Absolutely. Um, but you you need both. Yes. And, and I think, yeah, often we see in Christianity, you see an emphasis on one or the other, like yes. kind of this head knowledge or this heart emotional connection. Mm-hmm. And um, they're both super powerful. Yeah. And I'm just saying that to say, 
we should labor in God's word. Like we should be putting in time and energy and effort, and we should find ourselves being exhausted as we're trying to understand this thing because he's given it to us as a way to know him and to understand his will for our life and what the purpose of marriage and what the purpose of family is for our life. But we'd way rather listen to the secular sociologist talk about their most recent studies. That's just easy. Yeah, well, it's You know, it's just cheap. And it's, we'd way rather listen to the, you know, the, the self-help teacher, you know, and you, you probably wait rather listen to like you and I talk about how we want to someday understand the Bible. I don't know. No, you know? That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I think of a, so, so there's like this, this, this outline structure, right? And then each family has their own culture within that. Just kind of like how each business has their own culture. And I think that this is a beautiful, fun part of family that we can miss out on by just kind of signing up for what everyone else decides our culture is by default. Um, and we just sign up for kind of the activities that the friends are doing and, and sign up for the church things and go through the motions and realize like we never had this strong family culture. I think that's something that Elisha and my family both have, they still have to this day. And I think that that was a blessing to grow up in. It was fun to feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And I think that that family culture piece can be so helpful for establishing bonds with siblings uh, currently and then years down the road as adults and you have all these things that you can look back on and these memories that you have. And and I think that culture is a big part of business and what you're going to be known for specifically. I think of my aunt and uncle right now with all their kids and they're down in Ecuador. They've, they're Bolivian citizens. They're they're United States citizens, yeah, yeah. They're doing a lot of, of hard things with their life, in my opinion, as, as missionaries in that way. And I think that is beautiful that they're following God's calling. And as on their family, you know, I don't, I, oh, this, this vague term, God's calling on their well, family. Oh, but, we all have the calling to, gr- to go and make disciples. Yes, That's, yes. that's the calling every Christian that, family has. That This is how they are choosing to live out that calling mm-hmm. and how it looks specifically to them. And what I think is so cool is that some of my cousins now have gotten married and or are adults, and they still have this family mission to go into other countries and preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing their spouses there, and they're coming as, as young adults. And I just think that that's so incredibly cool because how much more powerful is that relationship or is that experience for people to see these brothers and sisters and parents and in-laws working together on this common mission than if my aunt and uncle were just down there and their kids were raised and just, you know, doing their own thing. Now, obviously there's a place for that, but I think that they were very intentional and being like, this is what we value. And in spreading that value system to their children so that their children also valued and wanted to carry that out. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's their more, um, uh, what do I want to say? Like, like each family has their own mission in that sense. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You 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 have the choice of defining your own culture yes. to a certain extent as a unique makeup of you and your spouse, and you know, praying to the Lord. And yeah, and I think that's going to be decided by uh, your natural, you know, tendencies or your skill mm-hmm. sets or your personality mm-hmm. or where you're born, where you're raised. You know, what, what language you speak. just have an impact on you at a certain stage of life. Or- yes, exactly. Um, if you've got a certain connection, you know, like people will have a connection 
to they know somebody in a specific country that gets them in. You're kind of like, well, that like that that really God, God uses those practical things to be that specific calling, or maybe it, it is business, or maybe it is athletics, or maybe it is whatever. Many things mm-hmm. that you already have this connection for, but it's got to be a fa- a thing that you do as a family, and you've got to have that shared vision as a family. And yeah. I don't know. It's not like, it, it's not like you have to, it's just, I think it just can is. be so much yeah. more powerful mm. versus kind of by default splitting up and kind of just doing your own things through life. I think when you see a family that is on mission that way, mm. it is just so powerful. And it's something that we want to have in our home. I don't, I mean, I think ours is going to evolve throughout the years. I know Elisha and I, have a heart for impacting families and encouraging them. But obviously we don't want our kids growing up like doing TikTok dances or something on social media. You know what I mean? Like we've used social media for our platform, sure. but I don't want our kids to think like, oh, we'll do that faster, better, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious how our heart for that, the Lord is going to shape that as we shape our children and um, as as we pull more and more away from platforms and try to do more things in person and yes. I don't know. It's, yep. but it, but that thought of one day, if our children want to come into vision with us or come into um, work with us alongside us, or even knowing that our value system is going to impact our children's value system, it has shifted how we have done business yeah. um, because of, of that fact. Yeah. And I want to say something, Katie, babe, before we wrap up, because I might have missed, I might misunderstand you, but I do think a dangerous, or not a dangerous, I think a faulty thought pattern is, oh, our family is fruitful if we go, you know, like your cousins go to Ecuador and impact the people down there, or our family's fruitful if you and I impact many families, encourage and encourage them in their faith, and people start saying, okay, well, what's our family mission? And we're only going to be a successful family if we start the soup kitchen in our downtown, or if we start a, whatever, a nonprofit that serves this community of people where what I'm saying is that the family itself is a mission, like the family functioning, the family thriving according to God's word and the husband and the wife being submitted to God's word and the children knowing God's word, like that's the mission first and foremost. And we, because of the individualistic society we've been brought up in, we are, we get so consumed with trying to find out like, what the what the thing is that we're gonna do? Yeah, like, it's like, so are we like, gonna be doctors? Like, are we going to <laughs> are we going to be lawyers? Are we going to be missionaries in a different country? Um, when it's like, no, like that, like why are you even talking? The thing that you're the family is the thing, and I think that you can have, take a lot of confidence in that because you, even you bringing up, like, yeah, we've got a heart to impact families, and, and through now that we're a family, maybe through events or this podcast online. We do have a heart to do those things, but that like, I don't know. And I'm not, that's a sec, that's very down compared to my own family. Does that make yes, sense? That's no, very down what on like what yeah, I consider I being success for, for our family and our family mission. Yes. I think I was saying that each family as a culture will tend to value what the parents value. Yes. And like if if two parents are really into sports, often their kids are really into sports. Mm. Or if it's music, their kids are really into music. Or, you know, we're we're training our kids just by what we do with our time and what our hobbies are and what our interests are. Yes. And I think that, you know, growing up in my family, we skied a lot. And that's still something that like, that's such a 
strong family culture piece that we got our three kids skis this year and they could barely walk. <laughs> and we're like, we're all going up and we have a ski trip planned with all of my family yeah. and the kids, you know, like that's a, but it's something that bonded me to my family, even though it was this amoral activity. Yes. And same with buying Leon and Lucia fiddle. Like my family. The only reason they are playing the fiddle. Yeah. Is it's because of it's a strong family. thread in my family and we're going over and we're pr- putting a ton of effort into doing these and concerts. And we do the Christmas concerts every yeah. single year. And yes. so performance is going yes. to be something that our kids learn by default because from the time they're two years old, they're up on a stage with people and they want to participate and they yeah. want to be a part of that excitement because performing is something that your family's done. Yes. And so that is more what I'm saying. I'm saying it can enhance your mission of raising your family by thinking of what are we valuing? What are we pursuing? What is something that like as a family we have a heart for? Yeah. And I think that that can, that can enhance the focus, which is internal, not yes. external. Absolutely. Do you know what I'm saying Absolutely. by that? Yes. Because I don't know, I don't want to get derailed either thinking that you all have to be missionaries to Africa to like fulfill the purpose of to the fulfill family. the purpose of family. The purpose of family is in and of itself its purpose. Yes. Exactly. I don't I don't think it's meant to just exist. I think it's meant to incubate the gospel. Yes. Absolutely. And to be an outpouring of the gospel. Yes. And I did get a little derailed there probably because it's something that I'm thinking of, but because we're so online and it's yes. something that we have felt we don't want to be a big part of our kids' lives. Yes. And so I think I was like verbally processing there, but like, what do, what do we want? Do we want our kids to be like, no, like I value this because you value this. And this is a part of who our family is. And our family is like an online family. Right. Or do I want to like shift our energies away from that yes. so that our family culture, it's, it's a healthier culture for our inner well, family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, I, mean, okay. I can see why you were processing that. Cause that's like a big subject. Now I've got to start processing <laughs> that. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think we're taking steps Yes. already. Yep. I think so too. And, um, I don't think it's bad to use new media to, uh, for, yeah, your purpose. To do like, anything. Yeah. yeah. It's just how are we communicating? Why are we doing what are we doing? Yes. And and how are we if our kids want to come alongside and be like, no, I want to be a part of this in the way you guys are, do we want them a part of it? Do we not? That's yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways. Side kind note. Of, yeah, wrapping up too, just kind of with the concept that we thought of for this episode, Elijah treating your family. Getting us back on track. I don't think so. I think I'm the one getting us derailed. I I feel bad. Uh is when I was just at this business workshop, they make you step back, you know, and, and you step back and you get that 30,000 foot view of why you started your business. What, if everything went well, what would your business look like? What, re, defining what the mission of my business is, what, what the ideal outcome would be, what's the worst case scenario, you know, going through all these thought exercises. And I think that we can do that with our family. Mm-hmm. We can step back and from like an operational standpoint, say, what is what would our household look like? What would our family look like if everything was going well? Would it be three healthy meals at home? Would it be, you know, a date night once a week? Would it be going to bed at the same time every night and reading something that we're both interested in? Would it be praying before we go to bed? Would it be eating breakfast as a family? And you start going through the details and you're thinking, yeah, those are the those are like ingredients of a healthy household. Does that make you a good marriage? No. 
but you probably know in your brain what, if your marriage was good, what it would look like. Does yeah, that make those sense? Aren't, those aren't the ingredients for a healthy household. Those can be ingredients to a healthy household. Yes, and they can so be- obviously, like, we don't eat breakfast together as a family. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, as yeah. much as Leon and I try to get Elisha to eat breakfast, he doesn't eat breakfast, so- And it's really fun to step back and think about those things because mm-hmm. you have so much more control over those logistics, I think, than sometimes what we realize. Give ourselves credit for, yeah. Yeah, give ourselves credit for. Um, and to say, okay, how often would we travel- what would we be a part of this home group? Would the kids be a part of sports? Would they not be a part of sports? And you do that through the lens of what the ultimate purpose is, right? You go back to like, why did we, you go back to like, what does God say about marriage? You know, maybe you've been saved since you've been married. And so you can't even go back to like what your reason was for getting married. Cause it's mm-hmm. you've, your, your whole perspective on marriage has changed. But I think that that can be so beneficial to the home, to a marriage to a family because you we've done that with our marriage. It's like, well, what is a romantic in my mind, what does a romantic marriage look like? Does it look like love notes here and there? Does it look like flowers? Does it does it look like, you know, good intimacy? Does it look like, you know, playful adventures with one another where our adrenaline's pumping? Um, and you're like, well then I want to kind of I want to schedule those things in then. I want to find a way logistically to make those happen. And more times than not, I'd say actually hundred percent of the time for us, the romance comes from that. Like the romantic, flowing, vibrant marriage comes from pursuing those activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just thinking of what are those unique little daily practical things? Because the big picture is great and it can help us make the decisions on the small picture, but the decisions in the small picture need to be made in order to impact the big picture. They really work together. And if we aren't making those daily decisions, then we aren't going to end up with the lifetime goal. That is our goal. I loved Elisha's concept. We were talking about this, but like, what's our 120 year vision? You know, what's our vision going into eternity when we are 120 years from now, what do we want to have said about our children and about us and who we were and, and what would make us just so grateful. Yeah. What, what do we want to have be true? Yes. What you know? would we like to be true? Exactly. Are our great, great grandchildren discipling their children in an even more rich and abundant and committed way than, than we disciple than we our did. children? Yeah. Um, that is definitely a goal yeah, of mine. It is. It is. You know? I think, I think we can think uh, 80 years and then, you know, subtract our age. So it's like, okay, what's, what do we want for the next 40 years before yes. we're sitting in a wheelchair, but that's, we've just really found that's too short-sighted. Mm. And, um, you'll see that with, with business as well. Companies that run for generations often had that generational view in mind mm. when they started yes, or shortly after they started and the kids were able to take it and make it even better. And that's just our prayer for our family. Absolutely. All right. Well, we should wrap this thing up, Katie, babe, because we get a date night. Yay. <laughs> uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye bye.